Hello and welcome to the latest Herbert Smith Freehills Private Wealth and Charities podcast. My name is Richard Norwich and I'm the partner in charge of our charities work at HSF and delighted to be joined today by my colleague and senior associate, Jade Hu. Uh, as you may know, this is the latest in a series of podcasts which are in-conversation podcasts with charities clients and contacts of the firm. And we're delighted today to be joined by Parveen Bird from The Big Issue. And we're going to split this into uh, a couple of episodes. So the, the first episode uh, will cover uh, The Big Issue and Parveen's background and some more general issues. And then in the second episode, Jade is going to walk us through a conversation more in relation to the challenges uh, that The Big Issue faces, uh, COVID, and perhaps a bit of horizon scanning to see what's coming uh, for the big, big issue uh, in the near future. So firstly, I want to say thanks very much, Parveen, for joining us today. Very kind of you to give up your time um, and grateful that uh, that you've joined us. Um, be before we, uh, I suppose, go into your background and, and where you've uh, come from, maybe you could just give us a bit of an introduction to the Big Issue group. And I do mean that in its broadest sense. Because uh, I know the big issue has has more than one part. Uh, I'm, I'm conscious that there are a lot of people in this country, uh, by which I'm referring to the UK, who may be familiar with the big, big issue from the street vendors. And I know you operate in other parts of the world as well. But maybe you could give us some insights into that. Um, but equally, there may be people who are listening to us today who haven't come across the big issue. So it'd be great if you could just kick us off by giving us a bit of an intro to all of that. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Jade. Yes. So. The Big Issue has been uh, running for 30 years now. So it's probably one of the best known social enterprises, certainly in the UK, possibly around the world. It was started in London by John Bird and Gordon Roddick. So John Bird, his background was uh, ex-homeless, ex-rough sleeper, ex-orphan, um, did some time inside for being a naughty boy when he was young, um, had a, um, <clears throat> had a, came from uh, a background of real poverty. Um, and his, uh, his partner in all of this was Gordon Roddick. Um, opposite end of the scale, Gordon Roddick was, along with Anita Roddick, the founder of The Body Shop. So very different backgrounds. And the two of them came together at a moment in history in 1991 and started this social enterprise called The Big Issue. Um, I know neither of them thought that it would still be around 30 years later. Um, it started on the, as they put it, on the double yellow lines, actually, of, uh, of the city of London, working from a white van selling magazines to homeless people and um, homeless people were then selling them on to the public. But because of John's background, because John had been an orphan, he had he had been the recipient of charity and he hated that. Um, so in his mind, he was adamant he was never going to actually start a charity. Uh, he didn't like being a charity case and he didn't want to start a charity. Um, and so that's why it was a social enterprise. Um, but with all the right intentions, because all of the income, the money, the 
that was generated by the big issue was always going to be asset locked, dividend locked, and all of the money made by the big issue was always going to go back into the social enterprise and, uh, and, 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 and do more good, deliver on its mission. So um, that's how it started. Very quickly, uh, after a, a year or so, a couple of years in, there were knocks on the door, uh, people from other countries admiring the model and saying, we actually want to do the same in this country. So, um, so the big issue was a bit like open, like a bit like open source software, in that um, John and Gordon just made the model available. Uh, they made the name available, as in the big issue brand, and mm -hmm. in some circumstances, they also said, "and here's also uh, a, a business plan that you might find useful, and here's also a bit of money." Um, and oh, right, that, so they gave seed capital or provided seed capital then yeah, to it, it, countries. Yeah, in a couple of, uh, in a in two or three cases. And it was all done on a handshake. No, no contract. So that's why open source is almost the closest example I can think of before open source was uh, was known as it is today. Um, and I think that's why it spread so quickly. And we are in four continents uh, around the world, over 100 countries. Uh, in some countries, it is still called the big issue, like Australia, like um, in Japan, um, in Africa, and then in other countries, they've taken their own name, something that speaks to um, speaks to their people. Um, and so it grew very quickly, and um, there was never any advertising done. No, nothing was ever paid for. John was a force of nature, I think. And uh, he generated a lot of his own publicity and still does to this day. <laughs> um, so, yes, um, from poverty to purpose, I think that's how John describes his life. Um, and so we've ended up with a social enterprise, which is which is a typical kind of founder led social enterprise that it, it is made, you know, uh, very much in the eyes of its maker, so it has all of John's um, great talents and skills, and it also has his uh, has has his challenges, and it's all represented in the group. Um, so when those enterprises started in different countries around the world, interestingly, some some countries started the big issue as a social enterprise, but many others actually chose to take the charity model. So in a way, it didn't it didn't matter really whether someone started the big issue as a charity in their country or whether they started it as a social enterprise. I think it was whatever worked uh, in that country for those people. Um, so I don't think it's to say that one model is better than the other. I think it's what, what whatever is going to work for you, whatever is in your DNA, uh, and whatever works for you as a country. Um, <clears throat> and then typically um, the big issue I think found itself um, going in a direction that no business head would have sat down and gone, okay, so we uh, we sell magazines to our vendors. Very importantly, it's a financial transaction. Um, we never we don't give the magazine to the vendor. We sell it to them, and then they sell it to the public, 
and whatever the the difference is in the price, they pocket that money. It goes straight into their pocket. And we do actually give them their first five copies for free. So that is kind of like the seed investment. Um, so they get those copies for free. If they successfully sell those copies and hold on to half of that money, it means they can return and buy the next lot of copies from us. So very quickly, they are having to um, <clears throat> learn to um, budget and uh, sell the magazine uh, and then predict their sales that they think they're going to get for the rest of that week. Um, because once they have bought a magazine from us, it's not on a sale or return basis. Um, oh, right. Okay. They have they, to sell they, those magazines. They're stuck with it. <laughs> they're nice, stuck yeah. with it. So very quickly, they become a micro enterprise, mm. uh, which reflects beautifully back um, to the, the foundings of the, the the social enterprise that we are, that, you know, we are entrepreneurs and it's started by an entrepreneur for micro entrepreneurs. Um, and then um, <clears throat> and then the business. So it grew globally. And then um, typically, as I said, there was no let's sit down and see how we want to diversify the business. Uh, and this was before my time anyway. I've only been at the big issue for the last 15 years. Um, so before my time, uh, Nigel Kershaw, uh, who is currently the chair of the big issue group, he working very closely with John, they developed a, um, a social finance arm of the business. Uh, and then Nigel went on to grow that very successfully. And so we now have a wholly owned subsidiary of um, the Big Issue Group, and it's called Big Issue Invest. And we make loans, grants, uh, investments to other social enterprises and uh, charities who are doing um, great work in the area of what we would say is prevention. So um, we want to dismantle poverty, but it's uh, we 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 recognise that prevention is probably one of the most important tools in the toolkit to um, to dismantle poverty. Let's try and stop things going wrong in the first place. Um, and I saw on the on the website, probably looking at it today, the, the big issue invest talks about managing or advising on 150 million pounds of social funds, which is obviously an enormous figure. Where, yeah. where did where did that money come from? So um, that, again, is is something that Nigel was working on. So Nigel had been working um, in, in the area of retail funds and through his um, amazing networking skills and his natural kind of skills and penchant for this area, um, he was working with, uh, w w with the retail funds. Um, so he worked very closely with, at the time, Threadneedle. Um, and so Big Issue Invest became the, um, the, the kind of advisor on those funds. So it was the brand, really, the Big Issue brand that, um, <coughs> that allowed us to do that. Um, yeah. And so to, uh, around two or three years into the story, um, then John was persuaded to start the Big Issue Foundation. So um, the idea was that 
the, the vendors that were coming to sell the magazine, they um, they were there for a reason. Things had obviously uh, not worked out for them. So we wanted a foundation who could then help try and address some of those needs that that meant they had to come and sell the magazine in the first place. So the foundation was there to do that kind of pastoral work. Um, so it was there to help the big issue company uh, deliver more support to the vendors. Um, so the foundation is around 27 years old. It's, it's a few years behind. And at the time, John and Nigel would have sat on that board as, a, as chair and uh, and with time, uh, John and Nigel have come away from that, and the, and the foundation has uh, has carried on working with the company to support vendors as best as we can. Well, yeah, so it's 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 yeah, it's it's so much more than perhaps people would automatically associate with the big issue, I suppose, because most people's immediate association would be the street vendors, but particularly with big issue invest. I mean, that's a Sounds like an enormous organisation now in terms of the amount of money that it uh, it advises on and manages. Yes, and the investments that um, we make into social enterprises and charities, and the in indirect impact that that has in terms of um, job creations, um, and in terms of um, support for. Um, the, the work, the amazing work that's going on out there. Um, and the, the brand seems to be uh, a name that, um, that that means people will come to us and trust us um, to get involved in their enterprises and uh, and take and take loans and investment from us. And so I mean, we talked quite a lot there about the big issue and the big issue group. I mean, maybe just rewinding a little bit into your personal story. Parveen, because we, we can talk a little bit in a moment about how you became involved in the big issue and what your current roles are. But what, what was your life pre-big issue? I think you said 15 years ago it started with the big issue. What were you up to before then? So before then, I had um, I um, had worked in television. So my background was in uh, radio journalism and then television production. And my last job before I worked at the big issue was uh, for, for breakfast television and I was a producer and a reporter on there and I had spent probably 10 years trying to get into the media right. and then the, the last few years desperately trying to get out of the media <laughs> which is how a lot of people find their careers I thought I had got my dream job um, and then I got there and I realized actually I wasn't as good as I thought I was. I wasn't <laughs> as hungry as I thought I was. And there were much, I was in my mid thirties at the time, and there were much younger people, hungrier uh, and better than I was, uh, snapping at my heels. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember going to my um, boss one day and saying, um, I stay up all night, because that was the job. I stay up all night producing like a three or four minute video mm. so that it can be broadcast on television uh, in the mornings but i haven't got any i haven't got any uh, blood on my apron i haven't saved anyone's life and mm. yet i've worked through the night i this probably isn't for me and so i remember realizing yeah this is not for me anymore um mm. 
and then um and then yeah the most incredible thing happened i was introduced to um to john bird and um, i didn't know anything about the big issue i didn't know it was a a, a, a social enterprise um i uh, i had grown up knowing about it but it um, you know like most people i thought it was probably a charity i thought it might even be a government run thing no idea um and then i met john and um we um i met him on february the 5th in 20 oh sorry in 2004 and then on february the 14th nine days later i proposed to john right. and uh, and we got married and it just happened to be valentine's day and we weren't aware of that and it also happened to be a leap year um we were in our own world so we actually weren't aware of any of that i thought um, yeah the 29th of february isn't that the traditional day for a, yes, uh, a proposed to a man <laughs> well let's say it used to be it's now <laughs> it's now valentine's day on the 14th of february um so um i then um i then we, we we had children very quickly we had two children and in the time that um i was uh, looking after the children i decided to do an mba and i did my mba and all of the assignments that i did i was always drawn to the big issue mm. and by going through the process of doing the mba and everything for me kept going back to the big issue i was just convinced that this is the most extraordinary social enterprise it's broken all the rules uh, it 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 is it is way ahead of its game in, in many areas and it's in other areas it's it, it's it's just um you know um it it's it doesn't know what it's doing in other areas because <laughs> <laughs> it was almost like done through love rather than through professionalism um and so uh, when i finished my mba i then started volunteering at the big issue and at that time it was it, it was coming up to its 15th birthday and so um i volunteered and helped to put on an event and um we celebrated the 15th birthday and i'd already got the bug by then so i just kept volunteering uh, mainly in the editorial side and the marketing side because that was my background mm-hmm. um and i probably i volunteered for a few years um and then i would basically say yes to anything that anyone asked me to do at at the big issue and i just kept saying yes and i just kept doing it and i would say absolutely nothing has changed in the 15 years that i've been there <laughs> so the reason i am sitting on boards and doing what i'm doing is simply because i was asked to do it and i said yes even though most of the time i thought i haven't got the um uh, you know i never felt qualified to do anything i never felt i was trained to do anything <laughs> but um i would say yes and do it and that that's that's where i am today that's what, that's what got you to where you are today yeah um, i haven't learned I, to say I, no yet <laughs> um i i'm co- conscious we're we're almost out of time for this first episode of this conversation um but before we we wrap up do you just want to i mean you mentioned you said yes to to lots of different roles do you just want to tell us where you do sit within this this great entity that is now the big issue group okay i will i will try not to miss anything out so we have the group board and the group board 
consists of John Bird, myself, and then Nigel Kershaw, who's the chair, and then we have uh, a non-exec called Kevin Riches. So I sit on that board. And then we have the media board, which takes care of all the publishing, and that is chaired by Julian Lloyd-Evans, but I sit on that as a non-exec. And then we have Big Issue Invest Board, and I sit on, there's two boards within Big Issue Invest, Fund Management and Big Issue Invest, and I I have been sitting on those. Uh, But during COVID, I stepped out of those, and Nigel Kershaw sat back on both of those boards. And then as part of Big Issue Invest, they have Big Issue Invest Trust, which is the charitable arm of Big Issue Invest. And I am chairing that. And then the Big Issue Foundation, I sit as a trustee on that. And I'm the only person in the organisation that sits on all of those boards and covers all of that. Parveen, thank you so much for your time today and sharing some of the history of the Big Issue Group and your experiences and background. We very much look forward to hearing more about the big issue and the challenges that the group faces in the next part of this conversation. That's all for now and thanks everyone for listening.